This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. An illogical consequence is when you say, you know what? You didn't come to dinner when I called you. We're not going to the beach on Friday. I don't like the way you're, you're talking to me. Go to your room. That's what parents do. They pick a, pull a consequence out of their rear end and it has <laughs> nothing to do with anything. A consequence needs to be related to what the misstep was. And more times than not, it will work. You guys, welcome to the final episode of the fourth season of Katie's Crib. I know, I know. Okay, it is super sudden. We didn't give you guys too much of a heads up here, but thank you so very much from the bottom of my heart for continuing to tune in. For the next few months, so you know Katie's Crib is going on a break because I'm working on some additional creative content that you guys are going to be hearing more about. Of course, we have Inventing Anna coming out, uh, the Shonda Rhimes Netflix show that I will be on. I also have this holiday season Christmas Takes Flight, a uh, holiday movie on CBS. And speaking of CBS, my sitcom Smallwood starring myself and the one and only Pete Holmes, who was one of my favorite guests from this season coming out also on CBS. So stay tuned on all of that. But do not worry, guys. Katie's Crib, wait for it, is returning for season five early next year in 2022. So stay tuned. Now, to wrap up season four, we are going to talk about, I'm so proud of this episode because it really gets in there. We're talking about all the cringy, complicated, nuanced scenarios that commonly come up when you're raising kids, like when your kid asks about death or sex. Or like when your kid is a really picky eater or when your kid just goes up to a random woman and asks her when the baby is coming out and the woman is definitely not pregnant. So yeah, that's happened to me. There is no one that can speak better to all of these hot topic issues than Betsy Brown Braun. Betsy is the best-selling author of the award-winning books, Just Tell Me What to Say and You Are Not the Boss of Me. Betsy is a school consultant. She's a child development and behavior specialist, a parenting expert. She's the founder of Parenting Pathways, which is a consulting service for parents. 
Betsy's parenting expertise has been featured on USA Today, in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Nick Jr., and a ton of other publications. And like, also from personal experience, her and her husband are parents of triplets, you guys, and she's grandparents to six kiddos. Betsy, thank you so much for coming on Katie's Crib. Betsy Brown-Braun, hello. Hello, Katie. I'm glad to be in your crib. You have this incredible website that I've also found to be so helpful. I'm so Um, glad. Oh, yeah, because in the same way, you have little videos on these same things that I can watch very quickly of, like, what to do. Can you just take us through a little bit about how you come to know so much about kids? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I've been in the field for a long time. I've taught lots of grades of school. I started in nursery school. I was a founding director of Wilshire Boulevard Temple School, and I've had a lot of experience with kids. I have always loved kids. I've always been interested in kids ever since my brother was born when I was eight years old. I was a camp counselor. I mean, I worked in nursery schools. I knew I was going to go into teaching. And then wouldn't you know, I got pregnant with triplets. Everybody take a moment for that. Let's all breathe. But here's the thing of it. This was before there was in vitro. My kids are turning 43 in two weeks. So they're older than you are. I learned a lot of what I know because I've lived it and I've taught it. I've studied it. And I, I don't like a lot of BS. (laughs) Nope. You say it like it is, which is very, very, very helpful. What's a (laughs) Betsy-ism? There are things that I'm known for saying, and I didn't know what else to call them. Each age has a certain behavior that typifies that age. And like I call them the terrific twos, because they're not terrible. They're just the way they're supposed to be. And then there's the theatrical threes. But then we get to four-year-olds, and I call four-year-olds the fucking fours. Oh, fuck. Right. Really? It cannot possibly be worse than the theatrical threes, because I am in it. In it to win it. Well, but here's the thing. So I'm known that's a Betsyism. I say lots of stuff. So I talk about the fucking fours and the satanic sixes and all right. And then I have other things I say, like prepare the child for the path and not the path for the child. Damn, that's good. Prepare the child for the path and not the path for the child. When my life is falling apart, I can like hear guests come into my head with like a mantra I will hear you say that for the rest of my life. So thank you for that gift. Well, here's another one. Wait, let Mm. me give you another one you'll like. Please, give me all of them. Well, what I do for my clients in my groups is I I print them in calligraphy and I put it in a bright color and I say, hang this on your fridge. And it works. So here's my other very favorite one. The surest way to make life hard for your child is to make it too easy for him. Yeah. We'll talk. Are you sensing a, are you sensing, I think you're giving me exactly what I need. (laughs) But I know how hard it is to be a parent. It is really hard and it's exhausting and you have to be on your game. And sometimes you just want to say, put him back. I'm done. I'm done. Too much. I get it. Or sometimes, you know, when you have a, you know, you just want a break. So you give your kid the inch and then he takes a mile. You have to always never give an inch. I mean, in the in my case, for example, because he sniffs it out, man. <laughs> well, and the smarter they are, the more manipulative they are. 
and they don't forget. So if some Thursday he's driving you crazy, I want ice cream, I want ice cream, it's five o'clock, and you finally say, just have the goddamn ice cream, right? For the next 500 Thursdays, he's going to ask for ice cream. One yes will sustain him through a thousand no's. Another Betsyism. <laughs> Another Betsyism. So I know my kid is hard now, but I also know that there's going to be really hard conversations in his future. Like, what is death? What is sex? And I don't know what to say. So can I go through with you a few like key things like that and you just drop your truth knowledge on us and our listeners? I'm happy to give you a taste of whatever you ask me. I'll give you a taste. Okay, here's one. Okay. How do I get my child to listen? <laughs> that one will take you only 30 years. Well, let's see. My kids are 43. Uh, they're not listening. Um, here's the reality. Your little guy, what's his name? Albie. So Albie uh -huh. is not listening. I am sure his hearing is just fine. The problem isn't that he's not listening. The problem is that he's being defiant. But I'm going to give you a couple little hints on this. The word discipline, the root word in Latin, disciplare, it means to teach. It doesn't mean to punish, to make feel bad, to hurt, to make cry, to shame. It means to teach. So we're trying to teach our kids something. It is very short-sighted to want to stop the behavior now because it'll come back. So you want to do something that teaches him. We want our kids to understand that when you choose a particular behavior, you are also choosing the reaction to that behavior. So we give a consequence that makes sense. There are three kinds of consequences. Natural consequences, illogical consequences, and logical consequences. There are many people today who say consequences don't work. I call BS. They do. Mm -hmm. A natural consequence would be when my son left his water gun out on the grass and I said, take it in. The dog's going to eat it because he eats plastic. And he came out the next day and it was in a million pieces. And I said, oh, well, and I didn't buy him another one. Right, right. An illogical consequence is when you say, you know what? You didn't come to dinner when I called you. We're not going to the beach on Friday. I don't like the way you're, you're talking to me. Go to your room. You didn't clean up your toys. No iPad. Those are consequences that have nothing to do with anything. And mainly that's what parents do. They pick a, pull a consequence out of their rear end and it has <laughs> nothing to do with anything. A consequence needs to be related to what the misstep was. And more times than not, it will work. Okay. Let's say a kid hits another kid. What's the consequence? Am I at home or I'm at school? You are at a pool party. Okay. Hitting is a, I mean, that's all, that's one of those topics because I, I ask you if your child, how is his language? Is he communicating? How's his frustration level? I mean, I'd be asking you lots of questions, but if we've walked into the party and I've said, Albie, we're going to this party, there will be other kids. If there is a problem, you come and get me and I will help you. We do not hit. If you need to hit, we will leave. Now, the other part of this is maybe he doesn't want to be there and he wants to leave. So sure. babies goes, okay, we're off. 
(laughs) 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 No, but I understand that's a logical consequence, right? Correct. It has to do with the situation you are in. Although, question, if the two things your kid loves the most are dessert, television, would it go to say that when you take those away, sometimes those are the only things my son will stop for? We were having issues where he's the kid that always rips a toy from another kid. And we've been practicing. It's gotten a lot better. But I do have to say there were a couple days where I was at my wit's end and he had made so many kids cry. That's such a bad way to say it. So many kids had cried because he had pulled their toys away. He didn't make them cry. He doesn't know what that was doing. I had was at my wit's end and had said, if if we're going to go somewhere and you are, are having a very hard time and, and it happens over and over again and you don't get the toy and you don't come get me, I'm going to have to take TV away tonight because I know it's your favorite thing, but that's not great behavior. And it worked. It worked that time. So did he top, stop taking toys away forevermore? Yeah, no. So it's that's what, oh, so it's bullshit. Well, you're trying to look at the big piece. You want your kid to understand that it is his choice, that you're choosing to make this happen. That's the thing of it. Now, let's go back to the um, pulling the toy away. First of all, just developing those social skills. It takes time. So if I knew that my kid was a grabber, I would be by his side. I would be shadowing him and he would see him walking and say, oh, you see that Stevie has an airplane. Do you want to turn with that? He's going to say, yes, you're going to say, let's go tell Stevie. Stevie, when you're done, can Albie have a turn? Okay. And when you're done, we'll have a turn. And then you turn to Albie and say, I know you want it and you are going to have a turn. This is so great, but it's not like I can just be like, drinking by the pool. I have to shadow myself. (laughs) Those days are over, but there's nothing quite like a tequila sunrise. I get it. (laughs) One more thing. Here are the two mistakes that parents make too often when it comes to the kid who is not listening. They warn too many times and they don't follow through with their threats. That's it, you guys. That's it. When parents say, I tell them 10 times, I say, well, who's the fool? What are you doing him 10? You tell him once. Doesn't do it, you follow through. Yep. Tell him once and act on it. What about when a kid, this has not yet happened to me, but I cannot wait, says something. Oh, it did, but I wasn't there. He asked a woman when when a baby was coming out of her belly and the woman is not pregnant. So when a kid says something inappropriate, like, why is that person fat? (laughs) Like in the grocery store line, what are we supposed to say? Young children haven't learned to finesse situations. They don't understand that that's an unkind thing to say. So let's say, let's deal with your first question second. Second question first for that lady. My kid just said, why is that woman so fat? I get down on my kid's level and in a very quiet voice, I say, you know, I'm going to answer your question when we go outside of the grocery store. Don't forget to ask me because I'm going to answer. And then as soon, maybe you go right out or maybe you wait. And as soon as you walk out, you say, remember, you wanted to know why that woman was so fat, which is a word I try never to use. It's the new F word. Yeah. But um, did you hear that I'm using a very quiet voice when I'm answering 
I don't know how that lady feels about her body. Maybe she likes being fat. Maybe she doesn't like being fat, but I don't want to be unkind. So I answered that question very quietly. I don't know why she's fat. Maybe she's growing a baby. Maybe she had, that's just the shape of her body. I don't know. It's a good question. God, are your children just in, are your children just amazing? (laughs) Well, truth, yes. It wasn't so easy to raise them. Triplets are hard. But, you know, and I had, I could tell you every hard moment I have, but really, this, this is the payoff. I have such great kids. They're really good people. I'm so proud of them. This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Now, I am hearing how eloquent, studied, experienced you are. Thank you. Did you raise your triplets with um, a spouse, a partner? Yeah. Did you guys always line up? Was it really hard to, because sometimes I think, I'm doing a great job, and Adam is fucking this up. Hundred <laughs> percent. By the way, anything bad that happens, it is Adam's fault. Let's be clear. Okay, I've been married. You ready? Fifty years. Five zero. We had our fiftieth anniversary last December. Congratulations! Isn't that crazy? I That's know. That's a huge, huge feat. I agree. I really. I married a great guy. It was just. I did a great job. And we, our communication is excellent. And we have been in and out of therapy a few times, more than once. I believe in therapy. I believe in talking. My husband is 
he honestly knew bupkis about child rearing. He was an only child. He didn't know anything. He, everything he learned, he learned from me. He will say it. And he was a great daddy. He really enjoyed being with the kids. And I feel that one of the reasons they've done so well is they had a present mommy and daddy. It seems to me that you're very patient. You use communication and you have a great vocabulary with how to speak to little ones, but also you have really um, strong boundaries. Mm -hmm. Did you guys ever come into place where he, where he, we disagreed. Yeah. Or he was more lax than you. And so now you're getting mixed signals. Like Adam and I always try to have a united front in front of the children always. So it usually goes to who's ever, setting the the harsher boundary the 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 person whose boundary isn't as hard has yeah. to go to that person if that makes sense like if adam sticks to his guns that we're doing shower in three minutes and albie's having a shit show it's like no no, no we got to do shower in three minutes because daddy because because that's what was set is that sort of the best way to go katie you are really wise your instincts are really good i often say to parents the strongest feeling needs to win. Not always. I say that and I say he who starts it finishes it. So if daddy says three minutes till bath, he can't say to you, okay, come on, help me out here. Do this. No, he starts it. He finishes it. Yeah. But we don't, I don't believe in contradicting parents in front of children, but I do believe that sometimes you say, you know, this is really important to daddy. And I agree with him. Uh, let me give you an interesting example. When my kids were like around four or five, you got a picture. There are three of them. They, they started saying, I hate this. I hate that. And my husband grew up with a woman who was so gentle and soft that she would never let the word hate be said. And he, he would hear it and it would like, he would cringe. I, on the other hand, grew up in a household where you could say the F word before you could say shut up. Shut up was like, I'm with you. <laughs> so that if when I hear somebody say, shut up, I say, don't say that. My mother's going to smite you. Right. So I would say to the kids, look at your dad really doesn't like it. When you say hate, it bothers him. You can say it in front of me, just not in front of him. You can say shut up in front of him, not in front of me. It wasn't, I never said never do this. For me, it's always about when you can do it. Like, you know, poopy language, toilet talk. Yeah, what are we talking about that? Because good Lord, my son is into it right now. He had his first day of toddler uh, preschool and I was making a video like, and he loved it so much. And I was like, what did you love it? He was like, I loved it so much. And I was ready to send the video to the whole family. I loved school so much, poopy, farty, but diarrhea was the video. <laughs> and, 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 I mean, that's so perfect. And that's when you could have said, and those are the words that you can use in the bathroom because those are bathroom words. Let's go. Click. And you walk into the bathroom and you say, well, let her rip. <laughs> that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I also think quarantine COVID has really messed stuff up. To go a year at home with two children and not have my foul language was it's asking me for the impossible. And we were we're just coming out and, and being around a few kids outside in, in recent weeks for the first time in a year. 
And my son had an audience, which he has not had in a year. And he said to them all, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. And everyone laughed. And now he's got him. He is psyched about it. And he also used it in the right context. He said it like in my mother's accent. So it sounded something like, get the fuck out of here. Like that. <laughs> but he probably heard somebody say that. Me, I'm going to bet. <laughs> I'm going to bet. Here's the thing of it. With the, the S word, the A word with a hole in it. I mean, any of those words, <laughs> yes. you're always best to ignore it. If it And it really will go away. So when he says something, you ignore him completely, ignore it. And then you say, what did you want to say, hon? And and he, he won't say it again. I mean, they, they really get it. But when people laughed at it, are you kidding? Of course he's oh going to say it again. You've got a little showman on your hand. Ham. He was like, this is the fastest way to get, like, great attention. I'm in. Okay, so we have to ignore it. What about he's a very picky eater? And I know this is going to get worse. And you know what else I know? Not only is it going to get going to get worse, it's going to completely mess up my daughter. I'm already seeing the writing on the wall. Dinner time is between the two of them. Like, I don't want to make a hundred things. You're not gonna. I always try to have one thing on the plate that I know he loves. And then the other things, one might be an experiment that I'll try a bunch of times, the green vegetable, praying to God that he'll have it, whatever. But like, my poor daughter is just walking into this. Like, you know, with him, because he was the first, I like tried everything. And now we're right where American kids are. We've got chicken nuggets, pizza, grilled cheese, cucumbers. Except for the cucumbers, you are on what I call the orange diet. Anything nugeted, pizza, (laughs) mac and cheese, Cheez-Its, goldfish. Yeah. Just like every kid. I'm going to tell you a couple of things you'll find interesting. All over the world, there are picky eaters. I mean, maybe the, the, the kid somewhere, uh, somewhere else is saying, no, I only want seaweed. I'm not going to eat candy. I only want, you know, it depends on where you're being raised. Sure. But the pickiness is really interesting. First of all, this is kids learning. They have taste. They have choice. They have power. Second of all, this is kids developing taste and power. You know, and they they do have things that they like and that they don't like. We feed into it. So please remember this. Here's what I never fight about with kids. Clothing or food. Never. You want to wear your bathing suit and you just go ahead and wear it and pray for snow. (laughs) Wait, hold on. Go back. My son wants to wear his pajamas all day. I can't. Well... Here's what you can say. Tim at school says you may not wear pajamas to school. If you want to wear them at home, that's fine. But that's the school rule. You can't wear them to school. And then when he gets, my son used to come home from school and put on a suit and a tie because he loved to dress up at four years old, little Ben with his tie and his In-N-Out burger hat and his tool belt. Oh my God. It was fab. So we don't fight about clothes. Yeah, I don't care what he wears. In the morning, this is what I say. You've got to brush your teeth. I'm going to have breakfast here for you. I would like for you to eat something. And I'm just starting the fight of brushing your hair. But good Lord, does he hate it. Well, let's only have one fight at a time. 
So <laughs> you can only work on one thing at a time. You know, yeah. you have to ask yourself, is this the hill I want to die on? Right. No. Okay. So that's what we've said about clothes. With re- clothes, with regard to food, people who know this stuff, nutritionists who do research, will tell us that it is highly likely that in the days when, you know, dinosaurs roamed the earth, yes. when the cavemen, Children learned to have an averse reaction to anything that was different or sharp tasting because they were left home to forage for food while mommy and daddy went out finding food and killing dinosaurs and things, whatever they killed. Right. So they stayed away from food that was strong tasting. So they have a taste for plain pasta with butter and bread. And it's not unusual. We F it up. Because we give into it. So doing exactly what you did is what I suggest. One way of going. Make sure there's something on the plate he'll eat. If he doesn't want to eat the rest of it, you have to eat it. It's your call. But this is all we're having until bed, until tomorrow. So that's number one. Number two, sometimes when kids have gotten to be four and five and they're not eating anything, I will say, as I just did today to a parent, Is there something he will eat? Yes, he'll eat a peanut butter sandwich. I said, all right, every meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I want you to make a peanut butter sandwich, put it on a little plate, cover it with saran, even though that's not ecologically desirable, but I want him to be able to see it. Put it next to his dinner plate. Put it next to his breakfast plate, next to his lunch plate. Even if he has a peanut butter, but it's there. He sits down at dinner and there is two tablespoons of pasta, two baby trees of broccoli, and a finger of salmon. And he says, I don't like that. I don't want touching. I don't want to eat you. Whatever he says. Yeah. And then you say, well, then eat your peanut butter. How about those Dodgers? Don't talk about it. Let him eat his peanut butter every day for 10 years. I don't care. You're not a special meal chef. Yeah, I would think that. Just fighting over food all the time cannot be a great recipe for your relationship with food. Exactly. I was really lucky growing up. Look, we've all had our childhood experiences that has gotten us here and battles we've had with our parents. My mom literally 100% A-plus on food. I have friends who are in Hollywood who's who, you know, they can they say they remember their mom always talking about diet. They remember always fighting about food, this, that and the other thing. My Mm. mom made me finish every plate, shit like that. Like my mom never like this is what we're having. Eat it or not. Eat it or not. And like, that's it. I'm getting this overall vibe of ignoring. (laughs) Or don't make a big deal. Like, if your kid's having a tantrum or your kid said the curse word or whatever, it's like the more attention you give it, right, the bigger it will get. You play such an important role in how your kids respond and what becomes important to them because they're looking, they're little power mongers. Where am I powerful? We give our kids too much power. And I don't mean by giving them too much permission. I'm saying we react to it. Don't react. You sit down at the dinner table and he says, I don't like this. You say, okay, so did you see the zebra that was walking down Ventura Boulevard today? It was amazing. Whoever thought you don't talk about food, you don't make a big deal. This is so true. I can't tell you guys listening how many times I put something out for dinner. Albie loses his mind that there's a green thing on the plate, right? And he's all upset about it. And I 
I just say, okay, well, just sit down and pretend to have a date with me anyway. I'm going to sit here and eat mine. And I just leave him for three minutes. And then he comes to the table on his own and he eats the green thing because I just didn't. You don't care. I don't care. And he just wants to be with me anyway. I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to sit here and have mine. He used to come up and push the plate so that it like all fell off. And I said, okay, I won't let you do that. You can't push and throw your food off the table because I worked hard on it. You don't have to eat it. Just don't touch it. You know, whatever. It's fine. You can just sit here and talk to me. And then I start talking, something like that. And then I'll look in three minutes and I'm like, oh, my God, he's eating. He's eating. (laughs) You know, parents also mess dinner up. Dinner's the hardest meal for most people. They mess it up because they attach dessert to it. I am right up there with the biggest sweet. I like all kinds of caca food. But I I never attached dessert to our meals because I didn't want to raise kids who would say, how many bites till I get dessert? How many bites? So I did. I mean, I had dessert. I just didn't have it with dinner. They could have an ice cream in the afternoon. So smart. Is it ever too late? Never. Okay. So even if you have a four-year-old and you've been doing that crap, you know, the kid says he's full even though you know he's not because you've always given him dessert after. Is there ever a time where like, guess what? The rules have changed starting today. There's no more dessert after dinner. And look, you might give them dessert at a different time in the day. Here's what I suggest my clients say, which seems to work. The ones who are in my groups always say, you know, I was in my Betsy class last night and blah, 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 blah. Ones who are not, I'll say, just say to them, you know, I was talking to my teacher, Betsy. And I am so cuckoo. I made a crazy mistake. Do you know that we're not supposed to have dessert with dinner? I don't know what I was thinking, but dessert doesn't go with dinner. We're going to have dessert at another time. You could have it in the morning for your morning snack. You could have it in the afternoon. We're just not having it at dinner time. It makes addiction to sugar. And it, it you know, you don't want kids to have all that sugar right before they go to bed. God, no. So, so you could just say... I, I did it wrong. Dummy me. I didn't know. But now I'm going to change. And your dessert, by the way, it's like two Hershey's Kisses or three jelly beans or a vanilla. It's not like a big gazunta thing of ice cream. Just a little something. Yeah. By the way, that's something with all food and kids. Like when I really started to follow on Instagram and we're going to have them on the podcast, but people who specialize in kid foods and I actually saw what portions look like for a three and a half year old. I'm like, why am I putting out this mountain of macaroni? This mountain food. It's ridiculous. Their stomach is tiny. So just for moms listening, it's a huge win if your kid has two pieces of cucumber, one little baby carrot, you know, a a fourth of a grilled cheese sandwich. And like, that's like a lot of food for their little stomachs. Like, it's not what you think it's going to be like, oh, my God, he didn't eat because he didn't have the entire macaroni. You know, he had half a slice of pizza. Do you know that your stomach, hold up your fist, your hand in a fist like this. That's how yeah. big your stomach is. Yeah. So a bait, a kid is You're like. You're asking a kid to put all that <laughs> masticated right. food in this? Right. Nobody wants her child to starve. We're all a little bit nervous about that. But children won't starve. Sometimes parents just can't bear the thought of putting their kid to bed hungry. Yeah. I have a lot of friends with that. You can have a system in your house where whether he's eaten dinner or not, he can always have a string cheese before bed or a baby banana because you give him something that he can always have. That Not for him, it's for you. So you don't have to worry about he's always hungry. 
This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the Skylight Frame. The Skylight Frame is the perfect gift. It's a touchscreen photo frame your whole family can upload photos to from wherever they are in the world. It's a way to share with her all the moments that matter. It sets up in seconds. You can even make sure that it's already loaded with photos when your mom opens her Mother's Day gift. And her Skylight Frame can hold thousands of the treasured photos you share. It's an easy, heartfelt way for mom to stay connected with those who matter most. It really is the perfect gift. Now, as a special Mother's Day offer for our listeners, Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Okay, let's talk about for what's coming down the pipe, which scares the crap out of me. What happens when we start getting into this, like, my kid doesn't want to invite a kid to a birthday party, stuff like this? <laughs> well, it's going to happen. And by the way, with my children who shared the same birthday, I had three different birthday parties every year after the after the age of two. I know. So we'd have a Saturday and a Sunday and a Saturday or a Sunday and a Saturday and a Sunday every year. This is this the reason I'm being so quiet, which I never am, is because my jaw's on the ground. Could you guys imagine doing that? No, thank you. Okay. Well, and I would say you don't have to invite your sister to the party. You don't have to invite your brother. But just remember, if you don't invite him, he might not invite you. They learned the word reciprocity very young. And they always included the other guy because they didn't want to be excluded. So there's that. But I believe that your birthday is the only thing that's yours besides your name. So I would say to him, let's say he doesn't want to have so-and-so. Well, talk to me about that. Okay, so you don't, okay, so you don't want to have him because he's mean to you. Is he always mean to you? Is he ever, should we have him over for a play date? And let's see how, how you really feel about him. Because maybe he's mean to him at school. Or maybe when other kids are around. But if he says, no, he wasn't nice, I don't want him to come. I could say, well, that it is your birthday. But I want to tell you, I feel very bad because I think it's hurtful. And I know if you didn't get invited to his party, you would feel sad. Now, your kid might say, no, I won't. You could say, well, I, I think you would. So I try to work on the empathy piece, try to get them to understand 
But if he's having 20 other kids and he's saying, no, I'm not going to invite him, I'd say, no, that's not fair. Can't do right. that. Not kind. Right. What about when siblings fight? Because that hasn't started yet, but it will. What do I do? My my mom used to put us in naughty chairs, right? Which <laughs> Which were... These two swivel chairs. My mom still swears by this. And I'm like, mom, I am not doing this. She put me and my brother, who are two years, nine months apart. She would put us in chairs and we would have to each face different walls <laughs> and not speak to each other. That's like teachers putting kids in the corner for God's sake. Oh, it's sake. ridiculous. We weren't. But why she liked it was because they were swivel chairs. And in about 10 minutes of sitting there quiet, fuming at walls, we were sp- 10 minutes later, spinning towards each other and making each other laugh. And all of a sudden, we would come together against a common enemy, which was my mother. So, (laughs) Well, you're saying something really important because most sibling not getting alongness, it's about three people. It's about the child, the child, and the adult. So you take away one of the kids, child, adult, there's no fighting. You take away the other kid, there's no fighting. And usually if you take the adult away... There is no fighting. We don't help sibling fighting by saying, I'll be what's going on in there. We call one kid's name way too much and he thinks I'm the bad guy. Oh, God, I already see that coming. I'm so glad to speak to you about this. Everybody says that. You know, everybody has that same problem. You don't want your kid to think I'm mommy thinks I'm the bad guy. It's always my fault. By the way, it could be your what's the little girl's name? Vera. Vera. (laughs) You don't want Vera to think that it's always Albie's fault, but you, no, you don't. But if you call his name, that's what they think. So you're not the judge and you're not the jury. So you might call out, do you need help in there? And someone will say, he took my daughter. So it's either about a parent or property. Sometimes kids just need to bug each other. I would say spend as little time involved in that as you possibly can. My rule with my kids was I only got involved when there was blood. Because honestly, kids fight. They're like puppies. They're going to fight. If one kid is being bullying, you say, what's going on? Do you need it? You go in and you say, Albie, tell me what happened. She took my toy and blah, blah, blah. Vera, tell me what happened. It's my toy. You shouldn't blah, blah. So what do you think we should do? How should we solve this? Sit there and make them figure out the problem. They'll lose, in, lose interest. I, I believe that playing together is a privilege. I think your mom is not wrong in separating you. Sometimes I would say you sit on that end of the couch and you sit on that end of the couch and sit on your hands, which sounds like a crazy thing to do. But if they have to sit on their hands, they're not thinking about anything except sitting on their hands. And it's like swiveling in the chair. It's the same kind of thing. But I really recommend not getting involved. I think that's so genius. Now, shamelessly, I will tell you another pay-for-view video I have on my website. I have a little one on siblings. There's a big video on my website on it, a long one, an hour. And then in my book, there's a whole chapter on siblings. Yes, that's right. The key is if your kids are spending enough time with you alone without the other sibling, kids need time alone with the mom, not always together or the dad or the other mom. Interesting. That... If they get their own needs met, they will fight less. (sighs) Anything else? (laughs) Death, sex. Oh, yeah. Okay, real quick. Three things. Sex, real fast, guys. Sex, death, cell phones. (laughs) 
Well, let me assure you that all children, when they get to be around four years old, it's the age of questions, all children are going to wonder, what does it mean to be dead? What is dead? What What is that? I'm, I'm afraid you're going to die. I'm afraid I'm going to die. As a brief intro, children need to understand that everything that is alive will die. So starting at age two, you're walking along, you see a caterpillar, you say, oh, that caterpillar is dead. Look, he's all done living. You pick him up, you let him see he's not living, you touch him, you whatever, go wash your hands. You see the rose has fallen off the bush. You say, look, that rose died. It's all done living. Use the real word died, all done living. Start it very early on. And then as they get older, they will understand that in our lives, people get very, 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 very old. Everything that is alive has a life cycle. It's little, it grows up, it gets very old, it can't live anymore, and it dies. Are you going to die? Yes, I'm going to die. Of course I'm going to die, but not for a long, 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 long time. I'm going to be alive for so long. My chapter on death is really a good one. I'm I'm going to recommend that to my friend right now whose dog just died. And the dog was very, very old. Um, and it's very, very sad. See, when I was running a school, we had goldfish, of course. We only have them so they can die. We like, we like death. We like to talk about it. The idea is we want kids to understand. They want to deal with it. We want kids to see that Goldie lived a long life for a goldfish. People live a long, long time, but goldfish, we're lying, don't. So what do we do when a fish dies? We don't give them a burial at sea. We want the kid to see he's dead and understand it. And then we put him in a little Tiffany's box, nice blue box. Uh-huh. And we and we go out to the cemetery in the yard and we dig a hole and we bury him and we say a few words. Goldie was a nice fish. She swam so well. I'll miss you, Goldie. I'm sorry you're not alive anymore. And then you bury Goldie. I mean, that's how children learn everything. We have We don't want to hide it from them. This mommy, had she called me, I would have said, you tell the kids in the morning, you know, in the middle of the night, Fido was not having a hard time. So we took him to the vet. We're going to see what the vet can do. And then the middle of the day, you say, well, I just talked to the vet. And the vet said Fido is very sick and he's having problems breathing. And then later that night, you say Fido is not doing well. He's having a very hard time. And someone's going to say, is he going to die? And mommy says, I hope not, but he might. And then the next day, I mean, Fido's been gone now for two days. Right. You say the vet just called to say that Fido died. His body got so old he couldn't breathe anymore, so he died. Of course, then they're going to say, well, where is he? Right. Without spending all of our time getting into this, I will say to you, please do not say he's in doggy heaven. I don't want to step on anybody's religious toes, but I don't do the heaven piece until children are old enough to understand the concept of souls and spirits and all of that. Because nobody believes that, you know, Goldie swam up to heaven with her little Goldiness. <laughs> you know, people believe that souls gather. I mean, if you believe in heaven, that's what you believe. But to tell a child she went to heaven, her only thought could be, but why would grandpa want to leave me? Absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. And did you do this with your kids? hundred percent. Tell me about sex. <laughs> well, rather than telling you about sex, which I will do, I will say that I, I got in touch with my publisher with Harper Collins. And I said, listen, I got to redo my chapter on sex because with people waiting so long to get pregnant, to get married and pregnant, 
everybody's having in vitro. So what we say to kids is, this is my tongue is in my cheek as I'm talking to you. Mommy and daddy love each other, love each other very much. And they do this thing called having sex and they hug and they kiss and daddy puts his penis in mommy's vagina. Then they wanted to have a baby. So they went to a doctor and the doctor, <laughs> it's a whole different story. Right. So, but when we talk about sex, where babies come from, we start with this. Everything that is alive comes from two parts, apart from the male and apart from the female. The, I don't say the mommy or the daddy. I say boy, girl, male, female. And this happens when you're very, very old, after college and after graduate school. <laughs> and you say the part from the female is called the ovum, which is another word for egg. But I don't say egg because children think bah, bah, chicken. Right, right. And right. I take a pencil and I make a dot on a paper and I say, that's how big the egg is. And apart from the male called the seed or the sperm, and I do a dot with a tiny tail. And what happens with whether you're a flower or a zebra or a person or an aardvark or whatever, apart from the male joins with a part with the female and it grows in a special place in the female's body called the uterus or the womb. It doesn't grow in a tummy. And that's what you see when you see a woman with a big tummy. It's not her tummy. It's her womb or uterus that's growing. It looks like it's her tummy. It's really next to your tummy. Because the only thing that goes in your tummy is food or medicine or what, or liquid. Usually that's pretty much enough. Yeah, because you're so matter of fact about it. You're not giggling. You're just saying scientifically what it is. So they must be like bored. They're just like, great. Sounds good. What's next? And they walk <laughs> out of the room. But then yeah. they come back and say, well, how did it get there? How did they get together? And you get to say, well, the seed lives in the man's testicles. You have testicles. See them? They're right there. You call them your nuts or your balls or your <laughs> nads or whatever you call them. <laughs> and in a woman, her ova live in a place, and you point to the place on your body where your ovaries are. And they join together. It comes down through the man's penis. And the man puts his penis in the woman's vagina. And the seed swims up to find the ovum. And it starts to grow into a baby. If you tell this to a six-year-old, he's going to go, gross. If you tell it to a four-year-old, it won't make much sense. But I believe if a kid hasn't asked you by the time he's six, you have to tell him. There's much more to this story. It's all in my book. All in the book. Okay, last question. Is this cell phone thing going to kill us? Like, what's going to happen? It's going to kill. It's going to kill me. Yeah, it's, it's going to kill me too. It's horrible. Parents have to stop doing things because other people are doing it. When your child says, but everybody, your watchword response is going to be, don't ever tell me to do something because everyone else is doing it. We do things because it's right for our family. You will get your cell phone, first of all, when you're in middle school, no earlier. Second of all, when you're old enough to earn money to pay for part of it. And that's the way it goes. There you have it, folks. It's the famous story in my husband's family when he was like, but everybody has a Nintendo. Yeah. And his parents were like, oh, shit. No, they don't. And they had to really teach him. Not only did kids not have Nintendo, I mean, kids don't have anything. You know what I mean? Like, it was such an eye-opening. He remembers it to this day. That's why I know the story. This was so helpful 
in in parting words, is there anything that you would like to say or any Betsyism you want to leave us with? Yes. What I want to say to you is not about your kids. It's about you. We are not raising kids. We are raising adults. You need to do the best you can do. And some days that's going to be good. And some days it's going to suck. You need to do the best job you can do taking care of yourself. I really believe in the oxygen mask theory. If you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be the kind of mom or dad you want to be. You'll be angry. You'll be snappy. You won't be patient. And you won't be the kind of mom you want to be. Take care of yourself. Get exercise. Get sleep. Do whatever it is you need. But if you feel deprived, you will not be a good parent. (sighs) And with that, folks... that folks that was so helpful and i'm just so honored and thrilled to know you and the work you're doing is god's work helping us thank you thanks for coming to my closet crib (laughs) well you are a kick in the pants i gotta say this was a treat it was lots of fun Thank you guys so, so, so very much with all of my heart and soul for listening to season four of Katie's Crib. I hope you've enjoyed all of the conversations that I've had with so many wonderful celebrities and experts. I know I sure as hell did. I hope you guys will stay and hang out with me again next season and look out for season five again coming early next year. Make sure that you subscribe so you'll be the first to know when the new episodes drop. And as always... If there are any topics or anything that you guys want to talk about, please shoot me a message at Katie's Crib at Shondaland.com. See ya in 2022, babies. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.